This is Dalio's Principles, a philosophical examination. The unofficial podcast companion for Ray Dalio's book, Principles. This podcast will deeply explore the book and principles. The podcast is hosted by Micah Bays and John Sextro. Micah has a PhD in philosophy and has taught numerous college philosophy courses, including The Meaning of Life, Ethics, and Reason and Argument. John shares his perspective from years of experience trying to live out Ray's principles in his life and work. And you can follow us on Twitter. Micah is at Micah Bays, all one word. And I am at John Sextro, all one word. And now, this week's episode. I'm Micah Bays. And I'm John Sextro, back here with uh, Ray Dalio's book, Principles. And uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about the final chapter in what you might consider the introduction. It's called uh, Looking Back from a Higher Level, essentially. I think I got the chapter title correct, hopefully, Micah. I think so. And it's, it's the part in the book where Ray's preparing us to move on to the part of the book where he's going to go in, into a deep dive on the principles, the life principles, and then the work principles. And so this is just sort of really a recap of the past introduction that he's taken us through. Uh, what's interesting, really, I think, about this chapter is that there's not, any, there's not really any new information, but there's some leanings towards the philosophical aspects of what Ray is trying to convey in his writings, Michael, which is really right up your alley. And uh, there, there were a couple of, of big things. So um, he, he sort of starts off thinking about this from the perspective of going through, you know, again, he talks a little bit about the stages of life. He's, he's at this point where he's trying to transition his knowledge similarly to like DNA, which I know you want to talk a little bit about and what that means. Um, and then wraps it up with this. Would I do it? Would I do it over again? Would I do it the same way if I had it to do over again? And in his final analysis, he says, yeah, I absolutely would because that's who I am. That's what I love. He, you know, he loves the struggle and he talks a lot about struggling. Well, it talks a little bit anyway about struggling well in the chapter. So we'll touch on all of those things. Micah, so if we're if we're looking back at this from a higher level and and sort of viewing it from Dalio's perspective, all these years of experience, how do you how do you see his his look back and his years of experience coming coming through in this chapter? Yeah, so this is one of the more interesting chapters to me, not so much because of the content that Ray gives us, but just because of the philosophical issues that it raises. Um, and, you know, he, especially in, insofar as he talks about looking back at things from a higher level, you know, Ray talks about being at later stages in life. And so, you know, I think it's really interesting in that, you know, he has all these years of experience and now he's looking back on what he's done and yeah, would he do things differently? Um, so, you know, I used to teach, um, ancient philosophy or introduction to philosophy. And we'd go through, uh, one of the things we would do is go through Plato's Republic, which by the way, was the book that really inspired me to go in to philosophy, to pursue philosophy. Um, I got really enamored with the first chapter because it talks about the nature of justice. And there's this dialogue of back and forth, uh, between Socrates and various characters, um, about the nature of justice and, 
the way in which they tried to address it was just really interesting to me. You know, they would have a proposed definition of justice and Socrates would try and find some counterexample to show that, well, that definition can't be correct because it would lead to some absurd conclusion. Um, in logic, this is called a reductio ad absurdum. Right? Some fancy Latin just means reduction to the absurd. Um, but uh, interestingly, in the first book of the Republic, so just for a little bit of background, a little bit of context, the Republic is a fiction. I mean, it's dialogue. Uh, between various people, and one of those people is Socrates. Um, now, there's a question of to what extent does Socrates' statements how are they consistent with what the real Socrates believed? Um, a lot of people think, for the most part, they are. Um, there's a lot of debate about it, um, but nonetheless, you know, some so well, some people think that maybe. Socrates is really just Plato's mouthpiece that really it's Plato's views that are getting put into the mouth of Socrates because they would then carry more weight perhaps. Um, But in book one of the Republic, Socrates is talking with an older person and he says, Socrates talks about how he likes talking to people of old age uh, because they've traveled down a road that we're likely to travel. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Right, you think about especially if you're in your earlier stages of life. When I, which when I first read the Republic, I was just out of college, and so you knew everything at that point. Absolutely, and uh, you know, you right. If you're thinking about the course of your life, we've talked about this earlier in this podcast. But if you think about the course of your life, you know, up until the time you die, or right, there's a question of well, what happens to me when I die? Um, you think about how do you want that path to look? Um, how do you want to essentially be remembered? Well, more of just, you know, presumably you've got a goal or goals in mind. There's yeah. a certain way that you want your life to go. Right. Um, and so to go with this road analogy, um, let's say you're wanting to get to Kansas city uh, it might be helpful to know what the road is like um, before you get there. And here, maybe it's even helpful to, since cars make driving rather, getting places rather easy. Uh, think about, you know, if you're walking a path, you might want to know in advance what's the path going to be like. That'll determine maybe what kinds of things you want to carry with you, what kind of things you want to take with you, right? Is it a path that's likely to get rain? If so, might want an umbrella. Uh, is it a flat path? If so, just some nice walking shoes will do. But if it's a really hilly path or rocky path, then maybe you want some hiking shoes. So what the path is like informs you about what kinds of things you should take with you. Um, it also might tell you what kind of shape you need to be in, right? If it's an easy path and it's a short path, eh, you know, you don't need to be in really good physical shape to go that route. So talking to the, 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 the point he made about talking to the older people was because he could, they've most likely been down that path to Kansas city before, and they can share with me what I might need to know, what I might expect on the road along the way. Is it rainy, hilly, mountainous, cold, freezing snow, all those things. And then I can learn from that so I can prepare myself. Right. 
And so, of course, then it's all as an analogy here, right? And so then you think about, okay, well, in the context of life, what does that mean? But you might think about what are the stages of life that you go through? What are the things that maybe you think initially are important, but then as you go through life, you find that they're not so important? Um, one of the assignments I would give my students is that they would be required to talk to someone of old age and interview them about life. Um, you know, what they thought was important, what they learned, what were some surprises that they encountered through the course of life. Um, and, you know, so just the idea that, you know, before you go and embark on some kind of journey, it might be helpful to talk to someone who's embarked on that journey before. Of course, there's all kinds of caveats here about, um, you know, the path that one person follows, there's so many variables that, you know, it may be very different than the kind of path you're going to follow. I think Dalio talks a little bit about that in this chapter, especially from that perspective of viewing how you view uh, the struggles that are presented to you in your life. And I can really t relate to the, the idea that you had when your class, Micah, about having kids college kids in this case, uh, speak with older people to learn something about them because it's all about like what your perspective is. And when you're, when you're a young person, you haven't really experienced like life probably hasn't really kicked you in the teeth yet. There's, there's just, some, you know, you've, it's been a pretty easy go overall. You didn't, you're not paying for things. You're not dealing with problems. And I can recall, um, as a young married father, where I would, I would like freak out because I thought life keeps doing all of these things to me and only me. Like nobody else has car troubles. Nobody, you know, <laughs> nobody else needs to replace their tires at the frequency I need to replace tires on my car. Um, but that's, of course, not true, right? I'm, I'm experiencing what everyone else has experienced, but for some reason and I don't that I don't understand... I felt like these were unique experiences to me. But now that I'm older, I realize, you know, to what Dalio says in the book, it's just another quote unquote, another one of those. Like everybody has been through this, even if it's something terrible, like you have a family member die or somebody extremely close to you. That's it's like, we all go through that. Right. Yeah. I know the thing I think I experienced as a kid was thinking that, everyone else had things figured out, but me. And then, yeah. you know, as I gained experience, you know, I realized, wait, no, most of the people are just making stuff up as they go. Right. Just like I am. And so that's one of those things where had I known that from the beginning, that might've been pretty helpful. Right. Cause I thought that other people have things figured out and I don't can lead to, you know, you might say confidence issues that, Oh gosh, you know, everyone else knows what to do in this situation. I don't, but some people are just unaware that they don't know. <laughs> That's the sort of thing they need to tell all kids when they're younger is everybody's just making it up as they go. And into adulthood and Dalio talks about this too in the book. He's like, as I meet great people who have done great things, I used to think that they were extraordinary in some way, like super brilliant or super visionary thinkers. And not that they aren't those things, but they, they still have all the same problems that the rest of us have. You know, they might wake up some morning feeling sad or lonely or whatever 
the case may be, you know, they don't even at their level have everything figured out. Mm. They're still figuring it out. They're still figuring it out as they, as they go along and they're, you know, they put their pants on one leg at a time, just like we do every morning. And they just are trying to, to figure this, this whole thing out. Right. Okay. So Micah, again, you know, Ray's talking about looking back here and I guess this, this higher level, looking back at this higher level really brings in, you know, some of the philosophical things that, that you're very knowledgeable in and brings up all of the, the ideas of what is his philosophical approach. So you want to kind of recap for us what some of those just in general philosophical approaches are, and then maybe your analysis of how he's looking at it. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, I think as I mentioned in the introduction episode that, you know, I see my role as helping people understand where Ray's positions or ideas fit within the broader context of philosophy. And so I think this is a really good opportunity to do that. Um, especially with respect to, I'd say, some of the biggest issues as far as how should we live, you know, maybe what's worth pursuing, what's not worth pursuing, what makes your life go better, what makes it go worse, those kinds of questions. Um, All the easy things that philosophy tries to explain and and rationalize for us. Absolutely. Right. Um, And, of course, all the things that all of our actions seemingly presuppose an answer to. Right. Mm. There's Three views that I think we will kind of touch on here, um, in part because some of the things Ray says sound like each of these views. Um, ultimately, I think Ray is probably best understood as being a hedonist, and uh, we have to be careful with that word because it has a lot of negative connotations. Um, so I'll in the strict, that. in the strict philosophical sense, yes. And if uh, I remember correctly, that's something like you you want to um, get as much joy out of life as possible, right? Um, maybe put another way is to say uh, hedonism is hedonism is the view that pleasure is the only thing that's genuinely good or intrinsically good, and pain is the only thing that's intrinsically bad. Um, Anything else is at most instrumentally good or instrumentally bad. So, for example, you know, someone might think education is a good. Well, hedonism is going to say education is only instrumentally good because when you have a good education, that typically makes your life easier. You can get a better job. You can therefore get more money. Um, you can have nicer house, you have less worries about your financial situation and those kinds pleasure. of things. Right. And so ultimately all those things either produce more pleasure, right? Or if you're not worried about your financial situation, that's less stress. And so that's less pain. And so um, education itself is not good instr- intrinsically. It's only instrumentally good according to hedonists. Um, and the, I think negative connotation with hedonism is that, if we think someone is a hedonist, a lot of times we think that, you know, maybe they have no morals and they're just pursuing pleasure no matter its effect on other people. That aspect of it isn't, you might say, relevant to the philosophical concept of hedonism. Just hedonism just is a statement or a view about what's good for a person. Um, so I think ultimately... 
Ray is probably a hedonist, although maybe not entirely. Um, so I'm sure no one is just one. Maybe there are people that just fall into one of these, but we're complex, right? So we're probably, we probably have bits and pieces of all of them. Yeah. I mean, certainly there are, certainly there are philosophers who would say, you know, they are hedonists okay. you know, and, or they'll say that there are other, you know, one of the other views, a stoic or, um, yeah, some other view. Now we might question, do they actually live that out? Yeah. Right? Um, but that's a separate issue. Um, so yeah, I think the things that Ray says seems like maybe we could see aspects of hedonism. We can also see aspects of stoicism and aspects of what's called pessimism. Uh, so stoicism is roughly the idea that um, what we should do in life is determined by the rational ordering of things. And it seems like the only thing that's really good or bad is your response to the situations you're fi- you find yourselves in. Uh, it's another way to put it. would be virtue is the only good and vice or being bad, being a bad person or acting badly is the only intrinsically bad thing. Um, so, for example, uh, so why might we think that Ray is a stoic to some extent? Um, so Ray at one point says that um, in dealing with difficulties, it's more productive to directly deal with them effectively than to complain. Um, those are just, you might say, tests of his character and his creativity. And so it seems like, well, maybe he's putting this emphasis on having the right response to things, right? Um, also, he says, uh, I came to appreciate what a tiny and short-lived part of that remarkable system I am and how it's both good for me and good for the system for me to know how to interact with it well, right? So again, it's this idea of right response to the situation you find yourself in. So Ray's comment there um, is similar to something that Epictetus says, and Epictetus is a very famous uh, Stoic philosopher. And one quote of Epictetus is, the chief task in life is simply this, to identify and separate matters so that I so that I can say clearly to myself which are externals not under my control and which have to do with choices I actually control. Where then do I look for good and evil? Not to uncontrollable externals, but within myself to the choices that are that are my own. We operate the podcast on the value for value model. We are entirely listener supported. If you enjoy the podcast and find value in the information and entertainment you receive, you can donate to the podcast on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Dalio's principles and click support this podcast. There are even more ways to support the show. You can dazzle all of your friends with information learned on the show and share the show with them on social media. Also, you can review us on iTunes. It'd be awesome if you blog about it or even talked about our podcast on your very own podcast. And you can always direct your friends to our subreddit at reddit.com forward slash r forward slash Dalio's principles. And now back to the show. That sounds very much like the serenity prayer. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard the serenity prayer? God Mm -hmm. grant me the wisdom to 
know what I can control and what I can't control or, you know, deal with the things that I can control, but the wisdom to know what I can't control, I'm butchering the serenity prayer, but I think most people have heard it before, right? Right. Yep. Sounds very much like that. Right. And so what's interesting is, you know, for the Stoics, it's right on the, you might say extreme reading of the Stoics, pleasure itself is not good and pain itself is not bad. Um, Right. I mean, you've stubbed your toe. That seems really bad sometimes. Really bad. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, what they're going to say is seemingly what matters is how you respond to your stubbing of the toe that is good or bad. Presumably, you know, if you are too passionate in your response, if you make too big a deal about the stubbing of your toe, that would be a bad thing, right? If you overreact, if you break something, right? If you yell at people just because you stubbed your toe. Presumably those would be bad responses. That's what was evil. It wasn't the stubbing of the toe. Or if I yell at the concrete curb for existing. Right. <laughs> for being in my way, right? It's like. How dare that, you? Yeah. How, how dare you exist and be there? Right? Where it's like that whole, do you struggle well concept that, that Ray talks about struggling mm-hmm. well and that you, you have a bad, painful experience, but you, you are able to learn from it and work your way out of it without you know, melting down emotionally. Right. And so here we can kind of see the idea of why we might think that it's just the response that's good is because you could say, well, hey, the stubbing of the toe, that actually gave you the opportunity to show your character, right? And so it actually was, you might say, a good thing. Um, But we might want to be more careful with how we talk about that. But nonetheless, you could see why we might think that. Yeah, totally. All right. So um, just while we're here talking about Stoics, I do have to mention one of my favorite quotes from the Stoics. Um, Epictetus says, it is not the insult that bothers you. It's your thought of the insult that bothers you. Right. So think of someone who calls you dumb. Imagine some kid who you've never seen before, right? Some like eight-year-old who just walks up to you and says, hey, you're dumb. You might really just pass that off and say, ah, silly kid, who cares, right? Not be bothered by it at all. But if you're at work, right, and your manager or your peer or your coworker says to you, hey, you're dumb, you might get really offended by that, right? It might make you feel really sad and so on. So Epictetus is going to say, that was the same insult, right? You're dumb was stated by two different people. They both insulted you in the same way but one affected you differently than the other. And he's going to say, it's because of the different thoughts you had about the insult. In one case, your thought was, ah, it's a little kid who cares. In the other case, it was someone whose value opinion you valued. And because of that thought, it affected you negatively. So anyway, it's just one of my favorite quotes. Um, I I like it a lot too. And, and I can, I'm sure you remember this too, as a kid, uh, Micah, when, when teachers and parents would always say sticks and stones can break your bones, but words can never hurt you. I, I, I found later in life that that was just like the biggest lie I was ever told by a teacher or a parent was, was that that was the case because words can be incre- much, much more incredibly hurtful than, than actions can. But in, in the final analysis, it really all comes down to what you decide to do with that, that information. It's just, it's just information that's out there. 
and this and this realization that you don't have to react is um is very enlightening and it's something that i learned as part of uh, emotional intelligence training it's like you don't you don't have to react to it you can control yourself your thoughts your triggers all of these things and slow things down and say okay well maybe i in this case i was dumb and you know what can i learn from that or should i should i really put any any credence behind what this person happens to be saying to me. Maybe it's just as, as um, off the cuff as what the kid said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that, that can be a, just a very enlightening moment when you learn that your thoughts are what it's your brain. That's, that's uh, converting what someone else is saying into your emotions. It's not them trans. It's not another person somehow transferring emotion to you. Right? Right. Yeah, they're and, not forcing that upon you. No. But yeah, how you respond to it, how you think about it, largely is what determines you know, how it affects you. Very much. Now, of course, then we can get into a kind of free willish questions about, well, could you have really had a different thought than the one you had? Can you change yourself so that you respond to it differently? That's for another time. Bigger topic for a different time. <laughs> All right. Um, but, you know, one of the things that, you know, again, was seems kind of stoic about it is, you know, seeing yourself as a part of the system and it's good for you to know how to interact with it well seems kind of stoic-ish. Um, but ultimately, I think, you know, we see he's going to talk about, well, later on he'll talk about, you know, we have this choice between savoring life and making a difference. Um, and he can't tell you which one is the way you should go. Um, but his emphasis on savoring life seems to indicate he's a hedonist, but at the same time, he talks about, well, you could make the choice to make a difference. And so apparently he sees that as some kind of good, but maybe it's not good just for you. Um, so, well, what, what other kind of good is that, you know, making a difference? We'll talk about that more in later chapters, so we won't get too involved in it here. Um, but the other uh, pos- philosophical position that seems to kind of come up here is what's called pessimism. Um, pessimism is roughly just this idea that life itself isn't actually good, um, right? You're pessimistic about life. It isn't really that good of a thing. Um, so Ray it just Dalio, sucks. It sucks from beginning to end. There's nothing good about it. Right. Exactly. Mm. Couldn't, couldn't put it better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so why might we think that? Why, why might we think Ray is a pessimist to some degree? Well, so one, he says the satisfaction of success doesn't come from achieving your goals, but from struggling well. Right. So if true satisfaction is just struggling well, well, struggle isn't a good thing. It doesn't seem. Um, you know, if you said, yeah, you know, I really struggled at work today, right? If you tell your wife and you go home, right, I struggled at work today. Wouldn't sound like that was a good day. Um, what if you said though, um, I really learned a lot at work today. Yes, but some learning is struggle is 
achieved through struggle. Some learning is not achieved through struggle. So it might be a question of, well, how did you learn? Yeah. You know, I, I just think that, um, and this is just, you know, me, me sort of, uh, imposing my own view onto what Dalio is saying is that what he means by struggle, his, his definition of struggling is sort of like evolutional learning or learning in the, in the way that you are evolving. I don't know if those that make sense, but that's what, that's sort of what I read into his message about struggle. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. We'll talk about this more, but he sees, you know, the purpose of life as to evolve. Um, Don't worry, people. We'll talk about that more later. uh, Next podcast, actually. Yeah. So with this idea that um, satisfaction comes from struggling well, um, I see him as following this in the footsteps of the great philosopher, Miley Cyrus. Oh yeah. The great philosopher. (laughs) Santa Montana. (laughs) That's right. So she has a song, which I have put on the top of my least liked list for quite some time. (laughs) Uh, Her song, the climb, I think it might be. Uh, But she says, there's always going to be another mountain. I'm always going to want to make it move. Always going to be an uphill battle. Sometimes I'm going to have to lose. Ain't about how fast I get there. Ain't about what's waiting on the other side. It's the climb. Yeah. Right. Struggle. The struggle. Yes. Um, So life is just a struggle. Um, It's not about what you achieve as a result of your struggles. It's just the struggle itself. Um, But actually to bring in a real philosopher, uh, you know, (laughs) as a former philosophy professor, I always try to convince my students that we are actually all philosophers. Sure. Right? We all make philosophical judgments. Some people just do it professionally, right? They get paid for it. Yeah. Like Miley Cyrus. Yes. <laughs> um, but a um, philosopher who is well-known in philosophy uh, is Arthur Schopenhauer. Uh, he's a 19th century philosopher. Uh, in his text, On the Vanity of Existence, he writes... Human life must be some kind of mistake. The truth, the, the truth of this will be sufficiently obvious if we only remember that a man is a compound of needs and necessities hard to satisfy, and that even when they are satisfied, all he obtains is a state of painlessness where nothing remains to him but, a, but abandonment to boredom. This is direct proof that existence has no real value in itself. For what is boredom but the feeling of the emptiness of life? Deep. Yeah. Sad. Depressing, right? Totally depressing. So, you know, roughly, yeah, again, it's this idea of think about all the desires you have. And then once you achieve them, right, for the, you have these desires, you want something to happen. And those desires, right, pursuing those desires, gives your life purpose or meaning. It seems like You're like, oh, all right, once I achieve that, then my life will be good. And he, he claims, right. Or points out that once you achieve that desire, now you're bored. I'm here. What am I supposed to do? Uh, kind of makes me think of you know, a lot of the uh, professional athletes who pursue you know, championships. Um, I could be wrong here, but I believe urban Meyer has talked about this where you know, he's won multiple football championships would get the championship he'd win, you know, the national championship. And then immediately his next thought was, all right, 
how am I going to win the next one? Right. There was no satisfaction that he was like, Hey, I've achieved it. Great. And now my life is good. It was always in this constant pursuit. So if he wasn't pursuing it, life wasn't going well for him. So that's, that works out really great for him because then he doesn't have that problem of attaining, you know, what is like the pinnacle within the career and then going life's over because I've done it. You know, I, I, I read something or heard something one time about dog racing and forgetting the, the morality or, or the, uh, of dog racing itself that um, dogs would oftentimes their morale would essentially be destroyed if they ever actually caught the little mechanical rabbit that run around the track because it's like they did it. They finally did the thing that they've been trained to do their whole entire existence, chase that rabbit, try and catch the rabbit. And the rabbit's the thing that, you know, goes in front of the dog. So the dogs race and run. Well, that, that, that act of catching that rabbit just sort of destroys them. They're like, I'm not running anymore because I caught the rabbit. This is, <laughs> it's over with. I'm, I've reached the pinnacle. Now I'm bored. Yep. And I, I wonder for myself um, if that would be true. Like if I would attain certain levels of, I don't know what, like Ray says, like, is it you win an Academy award or you become a very rich, famous person? Is that going to trigger in you this, this moment of, well, now what the hell do I do? I, I did the thing. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, certainly one of the questions that comes up is why aren't we satisfied when we achieve these things? Um, yeah. I've thought about writing a blog post once about, um, you might say the danger of uh, unsatisfied desires uh, in the sense that, you know, when we have unsatisfied desires, you, know, you might think, oh, once I get this position at my work or once I achieve this income level or once I get this house, then I'll be happy. And so what's dangerous, you might say, or you might think about these unsatisfied desires is that you think it's the external thing, right? And your lack of having it that's causing you discontentment in life. But what if it's actually something internal to you, right? That's causing the dissatisfaction. So no matter what you pursue, right? Whether you achieve it or not, you're never going to be happy, right? Once you get that one house, you're going to want a different house. Or once you get that job, you're what that position at your job, you'll want another one. Um, and so you'll never be happy. But, uh, anyways, I haven't written that article. You should. So then that all links back to like the struggle because Dalio has, has achieved like all of the major things that you can imagine somebody would want to achieve money, notoriety, respect, um, written a book, has everything that he could want. You know, he's able to pursue all of his, like dreams and hobbies and stuff. There's like no, he's there's, there's no limit to the things that he can do. Uh, but the attainment of those things hasn't taken any wind out of his sails ultimately, because to him, there's that pessimistic view of it's the struggle. It's the climb that motivates him. Right. Yeah. Um, so he's just like Miley Cyrus is what I'm saying. Basically. That seems about right. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Mr. Dalio. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you would like to uh, think more about this notion of, um, you know, well, 
is life really bad because all we ever do is constantly desire something. And then when we have it, we're not satisfied anymore and we want something else. Um, there's another podcast that I've been really impressed by. It's called Hi-Fi Nation. That's H-I-P-H-I Nation. Um, and they deal with this concept of what they call telic and atelic desires. They're desires that are goal-oriented and desires that are not goal-oriented. And I think that maybe in this way, teasing out these two kinds of desires, we can see how desires don't necessarily just lead to discontentment. Uh, anyways, I encourage you to check that out. What, 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 what kind of a desire would um, be like not, I don't know, I, I can't imagine of a desire off the top of my head that would not have a goal, that wouldn't be goal-oriented. Could you maybe shed some light on that? Sure, so you could talk about maybe keep it with a sports example. Um, if you want to be a soccer champion, right? That's a telic desire, a, yep. a goal-oriented desire. But if you just like playing soccer, that's not goal-oriented in the sense of, hey, I want to achieve something, right? You have a desire for a, an activity, right? You enjoy the activity of playing soccer, and while you're doing it, you're enjoying it. Okay. Right, you're not dissatisfied while you're playing soccer. You're doing what you want to be doing, and so that is perhaps how we can understand, you know, desires that don't just cause us to be discontent. That makes sense. It's like my my desire to podcast is that I really enjoy the podcasting, the act of doing the podcasting itself. It's like I'm not looking for fame, fortune, um, awards, any of that sort of stuff. It's like just the Good, act because I don't think we're going to get any. <laughs> Although our listeners could help us with that. But yeah, so I can relate. So anyway. please uh, review us on Apple Podcasts. That's Thank right. You. <laughs> Put us up for the Academy Awards of Podcasts. I don't know if that's a thing. <laughs> well, I think that pretty much wraps up our discussion here of uh, the different kinds of views or approaches to life as far as stoicism, hedonism, and pessimism. I think largely raised probably a hedonist. Um, and it also might be kind of a perfectionist view, which we'll talk about later. Um, but you know, he does say at the end here, he talks about the purpose of life. And I think we might be able to make a distinction between the purpose of life and what the good life is, uh, although those might very well be related. Uh, but he talks about the purpose of life uh, is to evolve and to contribute to evolution in some small way. Um, don't want to dwell on this much here because we'll talk a lot about it in the next episode. Okay, Micah, let's wrap things up then for this episode with our points to ponder. Why don't you start us off with yours? Okay. Um, so point to ponder is what do you think the good life is? You think it's just pleasure? Is it avoiding pain? Um, is it responding to life? Well, uh, so people, some people say you might say living virtuously. Um, or do you think life isn't ultimately good? Right? Are you a pessimist about life? Good. Uh, and for people that are thinking about these points to ponder, if they want to go out to our, our Reddit, uh, Dalio's Principles Reddit, and, and share their answers and, and discuss around that, you can do that. And I guess maybe I'll throw in a second point to ponder Great. here. It's a series of questions, but um, since we are going to talk about Ray's view of the purpose of life next week, Thought maybe just just get listeners thinking about it now. 
Um, so what do you think of Dalio's claim that the purpose of life is to evolve and to contribute to evolution in some way? If you disagree, what do you think the purpose of life is? Or does it even have a purpose? More deep thinking for everyone to do. That's why there are points to ponder. <laughs> so my, my point to ponder is uh, revolving around the idea of goal attainment. Uh, this was a, a personal, again, a, a thing that I personally, I'm not sure if I struggle with it or if I just worry about it or have anxiety about it, but it, the anxiety is, and is, my, is my motivation solely tied to attainment of certain goals? And I mentioned the podcasting being not tied to the attainment of the goal. So I don't worry about that one, but there are other things more like, career oriented, professional oriented, where I, th- I wonder if, wow, if I hit some sort of pinnacle in my life in terms of career and that, is that just, is that going to, am I just going to like fall off the cliff of, of, uh, of desire, fall off the cliff of motivation and be like, well, that's it. Game over. Um, you know, I should just retire. Right. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, so when I pursued my PhD, right. Yeah. Thought of actually attaining the PhD and you know, being a doctor, right? Um, not the standard kind of doctor, but, yeah, yeah, no. um, you know, oh man, it's gonna be so great to be, you know, doctor. And of course now, you know, the only time I ever see doctor next to my name is when my mom writes me a letter. <laughs> <laughs> or when the IRS sends you uh, information. Right. Yeah. Dr. Micah Bass. Right? Wasn't as cool as I thought it was going to be. So was it the, it wasn't, it, it wasn't about goal attainment for you or it was about goal attainment. Yes. Getting that PhD. Yeah. Well, it was both for yeah. sure. I mean, I definitely wanted the knowledge. Ultimately I really did want the knowledge that came with pursuing the PhD. Yeah. But yeah, there was the, you know, prideful part of me that wanted, you know, the title that came with it. Yeah. Sure. So I think it's important for people to think about like what's next when they're thinking about those goals um, I, I try to do that myself, sort of evaluate on a regular basis what my life goals are and, and okay, well, if I, if I attain this goal, what is it in service of? Why is it important to me? And then what might be next beyond that? So just to help quiet those concerns that I might have about it just being about goal attainment. Mm-hmm. So something for people to ponder. And I, I think it might be important now given where we are in the book, that if you haven't already done this as a, as a listener, you may be wanting to sort of keep some notes, uh, some of these points to ponder, et cetera. We're about to embark on uh, the really meaty part of the book where we're getting into those life principles and the work principles. And I can imagine that as we do that, there's going to be sort of a lot of free thinking that you're going to want to do about the principles and how it applies to your life. So be ready for that. And we're going to start diving into those principles. Uh, in our next podcast. So see you back here then. Thanks for listening. Let's keep the conversation going on our subreddit, Dalio's Principles at reddit.com. The subreddit is Dalio's Principles, all one word. Join us to interact with a community of like-minded individuals.